0: Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Sean Azaro, the Senior Pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Now this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called Family Matters with a focus today on marriage. You know, to build a strong family, you need a strong marriage. And if God is a foundation, it's time for some renovations based on what the Word of God says. What would the man and wife tear down? And what would be built up? You're going to hear Pastor Sean tell some of his marriage secrets. Reallife.org has his full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. If you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. It's a place to give at reallife.org. Today's part two of the message called Marriage Matters. Pastor Sean is in Genesis 2 and 1 Corinthians 7. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: I want to encourage you, married couples, pray together. Pray together. Take time to just stop and pray together. When Lori and I, and this has only happened a few times in our marriage, big things, you know, this little day-to-day stuff, we kind of settle into a rhythm. We know where she's really good and gifted, and we let her lead, and we know where I'm really good and gifted, we let me lead, and it just kind of works. But there are a few times where we both kind of come to this place and feel like, wow, we're at an impasse. What we do is then we go and we pray separately. And we say, Lord, give us your wisdom. Even if we're not, if we're, should we buy this house? Should we make this big career move? Big things. We, we make a point, we pray together, but then we go pray separately. Lord, you speak to our hearts. We have consistently seen God separately, individually speak to us and give us a sense of his direction. And do you know how much that does for both of us to know? I have such hope and confidence because I know Lori is a praying woman. She loves the Lord, she believes in him, she's able to hear his voice. She knows I'm a praying man. I love him, I believe in him, I'm able to hear his voice. That praying together gives us a sense that, yeah, it's not a power struggle. Because we both recognize, wait a minute, we're following another leader together. Yes, there are some areas where God has given me a responsibility as a a husband and a father to reflect his role in our lives. And, and, And it is a very big responsibility. But he's also given my wife leadership abilities. He's given her responsibilities. He's given her a voice and the ability to hear him. This idea of praying together is powerful when it comes to following the same roadmap. Different people receiving the same direction. Letting God build your home begins by letting God build your marriage. And one of the things you do that, one of the things that that does is gives you the same roadmap. A third thing, third thing. You share common values. What matters and why? And this impacts every area of your life. It really does. It impacts every area of your life. Stop and think about this. What, what matters and why? Think about raising kids. If you come into a home with completely different values, this is why when, some, when a couple comes to me and says, hey, we want you to, to do our wedding. We'd love for you to be our minister. Oh, cool, let's talk about it. And, I talk, and if I find one is a believer and one is not, and sometimes it's not that cut and dried. But when we dig, dial down and find out, one is a follower of Jesus Christ. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I've surrendered my life to him. He is my Lord and my Savior. And the others, yeah, no, I'm not really there. I'm not doing that wedding. Because I don't like to hurt people. And that's what that does. When you put two people together in the bonds of marriage who are following different leaders, it's a problem. And, and, and it's like, well, but we're not going to have that problem. We're just going to live off of love. And then, Oh, I love that phrase. You're going to live off of love. Love and ramen. It's going to be beautiful, romantic. It's like a, like a rom-com. It's just beautiful. We'll live in Upper West Side and make no money. It's how, how's, how do you do that? But yeah, this whole idea of, of, of we're just, we'll just gloss it over. That works great until the, the first time you actually, the honeymoon's over, kind of wedding, honeymoon. Because a, a, a wedding, man, we just went through that with our friends at Beckham's and it just told you about their wedding. Bec- wedding is not about real life at all, Okay? It is, it is a total, you know, Brides Magazine should be in the sci-fi section of the magazine store, right? It's, seriously, where, where else do you just go, p- regular people buy a dress that's more costly than your car? I mean, that's, but we do it all the time. And we go through this wedding, we spend all this money, all this stuff, and then the honeymoon, and it's awesome, it's fun, and like that is a reflection of reality. <laughs> Hello. Okay, and then you get home, and it's like, okay, now we got to do life together. Now we got to just, and the first time you start paying the bills, and the Christian says, oh, I wrote the tithe check out. And the non-christian says, what? The tithe, the giving a tenth of our resources to the work of the Lord. And he promises to bless us more off of 90%. Don't worry. I don't believe that. And I don't want to give away 10% of my money. And all of a sudden, you've come to an impasse. How we're going to raise our kids. What values we're going to instill in our kids. Well, I want to raise my kids in a Christian community, so we're going to be a part of church. Yeah, that's not for me. And all of a sudden, this divide keeps getting bigger, keeps getting bigger, keeps getting bigger. I always share the illustration of the triangle. It's a very simple illustration. You know, we as people, we're at different places. All we like sheep have gone astray, right? We're at different places. But as we follow Jesus, he's the, the pinnacle of the triangle. As we follow Jesus, look how we get closer together. We become more like Him. We become more aligned with His direction. That's what those common values of building your home and your marriage on Him, that's what it does for you. See, your faith will radically impact your view of the world and your unique set of values. That's why this scripture, <clears throat> we read the scripture, and, you know, if, if you've ever talked to someone about marriage or dating, you've probably heard this scripture. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. What's interesting about that passage is it's not about marriage particularly. It's really relevant to marriage. But it's not about marriage. It's just saying, he's just talking to believers, saying, what fellowship can you have? Stop and think about it. If I'm in a business partnership with someone who's not a Christ follower, and we are equal partners. First time we come to a a competitive situation with a bid, and and I say, well, I'm a follower of Jesus. We can't lie about that. Even if our competitor's going to do it, we can't lie about that, because we're honest in our dealings. And my partner's like, "Uh, wrong, we're going to get the bid. We are going to win this bid, and I don't care if we have to lie. We'll figure it out later. All of a sudden, it's like, well, now I'm having to, to do business in a way that doesn't honor God, doesn't reflect my values, and just doesn't reflect me as a follower of Jesus. What about how we're going to treat our employees? Yeah, we're going to pay them as little as possible and churn and burn them, and when they, they leave, we'll get new ones, and that's just what we'll do because that's how you got to do business. And I'm like, wait a minute, no, 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 <laughs> those are people that, that God loves. They have families, and we're going to treat them with respect, and we're going to do our very best by them, and we're going to try to treat them as, as people holistically because that's what, what honors God. Yeah, I don't care what honors God. I, 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 we got to make a buck. We've got to make a buck. What about how we're going to treat our, our subcontractors or our vendors? Yeah, we're just going to get what we can get, as much as we can get, and then we're going to let them deal with the whatever ramifications. That's not our problem. Well, it is our problem because we're, we're people who follow the Lord, and we believe they matter, and we're going to treat people with integrity. Yeah, integrity is when we have money at the end of the month. That's going to be integrity. And you could see the illustration, how hard it would be to have that kind of relationship. Well, take that now and dial it up about 100 times. A marriage a marriage union where we're making a thousand decisions in every area of our life based on totally different frameworks different moral compasses we're following different leaders that's what that scripture is talking about it's just saying what possible fellowship see Lori and i had all kinds of differences let me just tell you Lori is awesome. I, I've told you before, I, have won, I won the marriage lottery. I believe that. I am crazy in love with my wife, and I am grateful. But that woman came to our marriage not knowing how to do anything right. She did everything wrong, seriously. I mean, it was all wrong, because it was different than me. And if it's different than me, then it's wrong, right? Wrong. <laughs> Thank you. I love it when a punchline comes together. But there's all these little things that were just different, that didn't, you know, the the way she wanted to do house, the way she wanted to do money, the way she wanted to do. And by the way, I've come to realize, yeah, she did some things really, really well, and I've learned a lot from her. And she's also learned that there's some things that I value and that I hold dear that she's learned from me. And we are better for being different. We are very different, but we are better for it. But let me tell you how that works. One thing we hold in common and we hold dear, we both are passionately in love with Jesus and we're following the same Savior. And we're committed to the word of God. And so even though we're different on things, we've learned that that difference is a strength when you're going the same direction and following the same leader. That difference could become the very thing that breaks us if we're not following the same leader. That's one of the beautiful gifts. When God builds your marriage, you share common values. You've got a similar blueprint, similar roadmap. Letting God build your home begins by letting God build your marriage. Number four, when God builds your marriage, you're strengthened by the same source. Now, I want you to hear me. This is a really important idea that a lot of people don't necessarily kind of think about. You are strengthened by the same source. We all should ask the question, what makes me whole? What makes me whole as a person, complete? What fills me up? And what I want to say to you is no person can make you whole and meet all your needs too many people go into marriage thinking oh once i get married then everything will be okay i don't like the way my home life was at home with my family growing up i don't like the way my education went my job's terrible i don't like it but if i marry this person then everything will be okay for me married people does it work that way no (laughs) there's an engaged couple right now it doesn't nope any married person can tell you marriage doesn't make everything butterflies and roses it doesn't it's a wonderful gift it's a wonderful gift of the Lord but there is no person on the face of the planet who can make you whole and make you right except Jesus Christ that is the only person his spirit in you we were created with a God sized hole in our heart I wasn't created with a Lori sized hole in my heart as much as I love her and am passionate about her She can't make everything okay with me. If I come into our marriage less than whole and complete in Christ, I'm going to set her up to fail. That's the real problem. When you depend on another person, if you think marriage is going to fix everything for you, you are setting your spouse up, someone you love and care about, you are setting them up to fail because they can't do that. No person can fill you and make you a whole, complete person but Jesus Christ. It's just true.
0: And let's take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Marriage Matters. The series is Family Matters, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And another way to bless the ministry and yourself is to pick up the latest book from Pastor Sean Azar. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
1: We get into relationships for the wrong reason. We have horrible misplaced expectations. There's a great passage in uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. The Lord says this, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and, listen, they've hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that, cisterns that can hold no water. In other words, they're trying to be satisfied by going to broken wells. Jesus talked about living water that'll spring up within you to where you'll never thirst again. And then in John chapter 7, he tells us what that is. He says, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The only one who can satisfy the thirst of your soul, who can make you a whole, complete person, is him. See, if you go into your marriage trying to get someone else to make you whole and complete... What you're going to do is you're going to suck them dry because they don't have enough resource. They don't have an endless... They are not the endless well of living water. They're just a person. They're just a person. And when you are both following Jesus, you are being satisfied. You are being filled. You are being strengthened by the same source. You're drinking from the same well. And you come into your marriage relationship as whole people, complete in Him. And in that, you're now set up for a healthy relationship. See, every married person in the room can attest to marriage is not the answer to all your problems. Jesus is. And what I also want to point out, something kind of obvious here, and I just want to address, marriage is not for everyone. There is a singleness option. The scripture talks about it. Scripture talks about it. It's not, if, if you are here and you're not married, I want to say to you, you are not less if you are single, because you are whole in Christ. And if a single person is going around trying to find some person to make them whole, it's going to be a train wreck. It's not going to be a healthy situation. If a married person is going around looking for someone else to try to make them whole, it's not going to be a healthy situation. See, you're not less if you're single. I want to challenge you, don't be pressured into being, well, you know, all my friends are married, and I'm already, you fill in the age. I'm 25, I'm 30, I'm 35, or I'm 40, and I I got to. There just becomes this desperation. I want to say to you, rest in him. Rest in Jesus. Be filled in him. Don't be pressured. Don't be pressured. If that call and that right person isn't there, don't be pressured to get married. The scripture actually even talks about some who are called to be single. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 7, I'm going to read verses 25-25 through 27 then i'm gonna skip down to 32 through 35 look what he says says now concerning the betrothed the other translations say to the virgins those who aren't yet married but this is talking about those who are are betrothed they're not yet married he says i have a i have no command from the lord this is an interesting phrase he's saying i'm not telling you the lord's commanding right now he says but i give you my judgment as one who by the lord's mercy is trustworthy he's got a lot of wisdom He says, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. He goes on, he says, are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. He goes on and tells why. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. He's saying there's a focus you can have when you're single. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. The unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. What I would like that to do is kind of remove some pressure, to ease some pressure. If God's given you that desire to be married, then I want to encourage you, trust him in that. Don't frantically be going trying to find someone to fill that spot. Rest in him. Enjoy that time where you can focus on him, where you have a different kind of freedom. Because once you're married, you do have responsibilities and obligations that the single person doesn't have. If he's given you, if he hasn't, but yet you have well-meaning aunts and uncles telling you you should have that, I want to encourage you. Rest in the Lord. Listen for his voice. Trust him, don't be pressured. See, the fact is none of us, no other person is going to make us whole or make us who we're supposed to be. Only God's spirit can do that and he gives that to each one of us freely. Letting God build your home begins by letting God build your marriage. Last thing, when God builds your marriage, you share a common commitment. You share a common commitment with one another. See, we sometimes approach marriage as a contract. Okay, a contract with one another. You you do your part, I do my part, and everybody's going to be happy But The minute you don't do your part in the contract, I feel like I'm now free not to do mine. I'm released from the contract. And marriage isn't like that. Marriage was created by God. Remember Bonhoeffer's description? Marriage is a covenant. It's not a contract. It's a covenant with three partners. You, your spouse, and God. Because you stood before God and said, I do. You stood before God and said, I will. And so that covenant means, even if my spouse is struggling or wrestling with something, I am committed because I made a covenant to God and I made a covenant to my spouse. It really is a very different way of thinking about things. And One of the things that comes up, obviously, is, well, what about divorce? Well, Scripture's clear. God says he hates divorce. He hates divorce. He said, man shall leave his father and mother and cleave or unite be one with his wife, and the two become one flesh. Jesus is actually asked about it, Matthew nineteen four through 9. Is it lawful to divorce? Well, look what he says. He answered, have you not read, the one who created them from beginning made them male and female? And he said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Look at this. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said, well, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? This is true, but it's a very misleading point they're bringing up. He didn't necessarily command. He said, if you are going to divorce your wife, then what you must do is free her because she would be without support. Be. Moses is actually doing this as an act of mercy. And Jesus kind of picks up on that idea. He said said to them, why did Moses commit? Because of your hardness of heart. Moses allowed you to divorce your wives but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, this is Jesus now, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. That's what the word of God says. See, marriage is supposed to be a place where there's such safety and stability because we are committed to one another before God. And even when things get hard we say, yeah, we're we're not going to quit. Let me just tell you, like I, like I said before, I won the marriage lottery. I mean, I, I am crazy in love with my wife, and I love being married to her, and it's gotten better throughout the years. But we have had some tough times. And I mean tough. Okay? I'd, li- I'd make that a six-syllable word if I could. Because everybody sees Lori, and she is. She's very sweet, and she's beautiful, and she's just so sweet, and she's very soft-spoken. That woman is tough. She has no problem throwing down and getting in my face. Like, oh, you never do that with anybody else. boy oh, you come at me like, you know, pit bull. Wow. <laughs> I think it's because, well, God knew I needed that. And we have had some hard head times. We have had some struggles. We can look back at entire years of our marriage that it was really hard. And people talk about the first year being hard. Our first year was great. We had a blast. For some reason, I've shared this before, I don't know why, I don't think there's anything special about this. Year seven for us, we both look back and go, yep, there were a lot of stresses, a lot of pressures, a lot of changes, a lot of things, and it was hard. It was hard. But what's interesting, we made a commitment. We never use the D word. We're just never going to throw that word around. Never use the D word. Because even if it's hard, we said we made a vow. We said, and remember what Bonhoeffer said it's not your love that sustains your marriage, it's your marriage that sustains your love. And what's cool, when you do go through a time like that and it's hard and you, you kind of muscle your way, you pray your way through, you cry your way through, and you get to the other side, it's worth it. It's awesome. And it's true, your marriage does sustain your love because even if you don't feel it when you're going through a hard time, your love is still there on the other side. And actually it's a little richer, it's a little deeper. It's touched with the fingerprint of God because it was a love based on a commitment and a vow and it was empowered by him. That's why I really believe we need supernatural strength to keep our marriage covenants because man, I don't care who you are, I don't care how much you love Jesus. We all, like the Apostle Paul, can say wretched man that I am. Who's going to save me from this body of death, this flesh of mine? And that's the part that gets in the way. That's the part that causes problems. But there is that sense of saying we are committed to one another. We made a vow before God and trust him to empower us to keep that. The scripture, Jesus said anyone who divorces except for, the, for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. I do, I do want to say Jesus did allow that exception. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 seems to suggest abandonment. The person, the believer who's been abandoned by an unbeliever. That they're not forever bound. But what's interesting is it, It, and I want to point this out, just because Jesus said in that case it is allowable doesn't mean he's saying you should. I just want to throw that out. And I, I, I don't want this to be a place of judgment. Let me just tell you. Uh, one of the mistakes I think we've made in more conservative churches, theologically conservative, is we've treated... Divorce like an unforgivable sin. It's not an unforgivable sin. Divorce is not an unforgivable sin If you have walked through that if you even acknowledge I did some things really wrong God help me. God forgive me He can forgive you and the key is to today say god i'm gonna follow you god I'm gonna give my life to you. I'm gonna let you be the center And listen for his voice and do whatever he leads you to do. That's the key And walk in freedom don't walk in condemnation because that is not his intention And I don't want that to be, that's not my intention. But see, just because there is failure rampant through our culture doesn't mean we need to then lower the standard. No, in fact, I think we need to hold the standard, uphold the standard, and say, this is what God intended. And I want to be one who says to people who are in the midst of it and who are even considering divorce, and right now you're struggling, I just want to say, don't do it. Get help. Talk to someone. Trust the Lord. Do whatever you got to do. Walk your way through, because on the other side, on the other side is a gift or a blessing. Letting God build your home begins by letting God build your marriage.
0: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series Family Matters, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue.